0: You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Postgame Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com/join. That's assemblycall.com/join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome Hoosier fans to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as your Indiana Hoosiers fall tonight in Maryland to the Terrapins 75 to 72. In a game that the Hoosiers led 68-66 to at the under four-minute timeout. And then Maryland proceeded to go on a 9-4 run to close out the game and put Indiana in a really tough spot, sitting at 1-3 now in the conference. Uh, and already having lost two home games, this is a game where Obviously, losing those two home games, you knew Indiana was going to have to pick up you know, a few on the road. And this was one that was there for the taking. Indiana was unable to take it. And we are going to break it all down for you tonight on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-host tonight, as we break this down. And let's begin, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. You know, and as we went through the second half, I had several plays by James Blackman Jr. highlighted for the banner moment. And you could say that he probably deserves it, given how he carried Indiana in the second half and made big shot after big shot and drew so much defensive attention from Maryland there late. But I tell you what, for the banner moment, I'm going with O.G. Ananobi. And I'm going with O.G. Ananobi for this reason. That play that he made with Indiana down 73-70, struggling to get a good shot, was there were 27.6 seconds to go, and Indiana got that possession. And he just took it down the lane, elevated, and dunked. I mean, that play was incredible. And it was vintage OG. It's the kind of thing that we know that he can do, and yet you look at the final box score, and OG only scored five points. He was a virtual no-show in the first half. He had those two spectacular plays in the second half, and you just look at it and you think, if OG just makes a few more solid plays throughout the game, This is a game that Indiana wins because we know that Indiana has really struggled to win in games when OG has struggled. And that play shows you the immense potential and ability that he has. And my first thought after he made that play is I feel like he could do that almost every possession if he put his mind to it. And it's like some possessions he's out there to be a killer, to be an assassin. And he makes a play like that. But too often he drifts through the game. And the reason why this is the banner moment is because if OG can somehow channel that mentality that he had to attack the basket in such a big part of the game and make that play, if he can do that more consistently, he takes this Indiana team to the next level. When he plays like he does tonight, he's just an ordinary player who makes some spectacular plays, and Indiana is just an ordinary team. But Indiana can be a great team when OG plays like that. And I think the hope for Indiana now, sitting at one and three, as we wonder what can happen next, what can get this season truly turned around, I think OG truly taking that next step that we all expected and that he flashes so often is what needs to happen for Indiana to take that next step. So that is tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment, of course, as I said, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and ex- accessories that truly are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at Hoosierproud.com and use the promo code assembly to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code assembly to receive 15% off at Hoosierproud.com. righty, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We start with our bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Andy, your bottoms line
1: uh you know in a lot of ways this felt like so many games where you just uh, a costly turnover here or there ended up with 14 turnovers just nine assists for the game um struggled in ball screens a lot early that got a bit better uh later i thought robert johnson did a pretty good job uh on trimble the later the game went but you know thomas bryant og and anobi as, as you mentioned they combined to go four for 17 from the floor oh for four from three-point range and uh you know, it's going to be while you know we saw the junior guards really step up. Blackman and Johnson combined for thirty-five, uh, and and played well for the most part. Johnson didn't shoot the ball particularly well uh, and had some of those turnovers, but you know we kind of kind of got that. And and I really hoped coming off of the Illinois game on Saturday that Bryant would you know really come into this game with a lot of confidence. And uh, Demonte Dodd took that away pretty early. Any any confidence that that guys had in going to the rim and uh, with all those block shots early on. And I thought Bryant really struggled to get position, uh, continued to struggle in in pick-and-roll defense. And, um, you know, it was a a disappointing performance, I think, from those guys because uh, you look at the youth in large part that Maryland has, Dodd not among those, but, you know, there's a lot of young guys where uh, while Bryant and and Ananobi are just sophomores, they've, you know, been in some of these environments before, uh, did well in them last year, and and those guys both really struggled. And, And we saw against Illinois how good the balance was uh, between the front court and the back court, and it was anything but balanced tonight. And I think that was a big part of it. IU became uh, very perimeter oriented, uh, and uh, and really struggled to be able to establish anything with those guys late. And then uh, as the game really gets tight down the end, you know, OG you know, in two possessions before the the gigantic dunk, uh, you know, took kind of a wild shot. Blackman got sucked in, Johnson got sucked in, and, and Maryland gets a run out. And then the possession after that, out of the timeout. Brian Dribble's baseline probably gets fouled by Dodd, but I think had just not established himself going up strong enough early in the game and uh, and didn't get the call. So uh, odd that those guys struggled and then took key shots at key times. So just a, a weird night for those two uh, overall. And I think, you know, a bit better performance out of them in a three-point game, that's probably the difference.
0: Yeah, good points. All right, Ryan, let's get your rant brought to us by the TheBigLead.com.
2: Well, first, let me just say that was a very good college basketball game. Um, let's not lose sight of that while it's really a disappointing loss for Indiana. They played very well for long stretches of that game played poorly in stretches, but that was two what I think are good teams playing a good game. And, and on the road, you tend to lose those. If, if both teams play about the same level, uh, what will get magnified are the mistakes for Indiana in this one, I think because they lost, but Hey, if Robert Johnson hits that three, which was a great look at the end credit to Tom green for drawing up a good play, he got a look from, you know, a really good three-point shooter and Johnson missed it. Uh, He makes that. Maybe we're talking about something different. Uh, If Curtis Jones doesn't have one of the turnovers he has early for an easy bucket, if, you know, Thomas Bryant gets a foul call, if this, if that, if whatever, those all get magnified now. Um, But at the same time, that was a really good college basketball game. I don't think I'm going out of the way saying that. Uh, What I will say is I think that, as you guys have stated, The two big stars on this team, Thomas Bryant and O.G. Ananobi, need to be better. They just need to be better. I mean, Thomas Bryant needs his only post move can't be getting the ball facing up and driving baseline and having to do a turnaround over the shoulder shot. Uh, just that that doesn't work in the Big Ten. He's a big, strong kid, and he needs to play like he's a big, strong kid. He needs to be able to go over the middle. He needs to be able to, you know, back a guy down and get position and go up. Now there are a few times he got fouled tonight and it didn't get called. But guess what? That's the Big Ten. That's going to happen. Uh, we all know that very well, especially in the post. They're going to let stuff go in the paint and call ticky tack crap on the outside. That's the conference. That's the way it is, and you got to play through it. Uh, as for OG and You know, two of nine from the field tonight. uh, You know, three rebounds. I mean, when he when he had that dunk, Jared, I I had the same reaction. Where's that been? Where has he been? And I I even thought defensively, he showed some great flashes tonight, and then other times, uh, you know, just just was another guy on the floor, and that's not him. He's an elite defensive player with elite ability on the offensive end, and you're just not seeing him. You know, step up when he needs to. And on the road against a team that's 14 and 2 and now 15 and 2 and 2 and 1 in conference, now 3 and 1 in conference, he needed to step up. Um, With all that said, I think there were some positives tonight to build on. Um, This was. This was a game where Indiana, I thought, consistently ran their offense and looked a lot more smooth than they had recently, even though it got bogged down at times. But given the stretch of play lately, other than the Illinois game, which they just came out on fire in, uh, I think this was a much better performance from Indiana. So there are some positives to build on. Of course, the negatives are going to get magnified, as they always do.
0: Well, sure. I mean, you know, it almost feels kind of sad to talk about how much better of a performance this is when Indiana still turns it over 21 percent of the time and gives up one point one nine points per possession. I mean, you know, look, there's a lot to get to in this game, but I mean, defensively, what powered Indiana last year, what powered the turnaround was defense. And, you know, look, you guys know that every game, whenever someone blows by Indiana, I always send out that if you're just going to let them drive by you tweet. I sent it out so many times today, Twitter stopped me and said, you've been, you've sent that out before. I was like, I know Twitter, but we keep watching this and it's the same thing over and over again. And so, you know, we've got to address the defense right here because if Indiana is going to go out and give up 1.19 points per possession or whatever it is, depending on the site that you look at, it's, it's not good uh, and turn the ball over 21% of the time, their, their talent is not good enough to overcome those two numbers. And those are the two numbers that have been consistent, and it just puts Indiana behind the eight ball where they've got to make every shot, they've got to be perfect, they've got to get every offensive rebound. And when they don't do that to compensate for the turnovers in the defense, you get a three-point loss. And there are some positives to take from it. I think the frustration is that we see a lot of the same problems And until those get fixed, we're just waiting for perfect performances to get wins. And that's too much to ask of a team that doesn't even have any seniors on it. So, you know, I I mean, what do you I mean, Andy, what does Indiana do to address those two issues? Because if those don't change, the losses aren't going to change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'll take the defense because I think that's probably the. I don't know. To me, that's the more egregious of the two. Although it's a fairly close race, I think they, you know, they continue to see you know, end of the first half. Perfect example that they don't have a philosophy. It doesn't seem like on how they want to play ball screens. There'll be times that they switch. There'll be times that they will hedge. There'll be times that they go under and and do, you know, try to you know either force a guy to make a shot, but it's never the same. Uh, and they're and it's never the same even with the same you know people involved. And so you had cases in the. In the second half, where uh, this was, you know, when when Freddie McSwain was in the game, you know, he kind of hangs back and then waits for the guy to drive into him, and then you've got somebody else who, you know, tries to go over uh, over a screen against a guy you haven't seen make an outside shot, and, and I just don't understand what that is. You see Bryant, this this happened a lot. We both talked about this in the game on Saturday, where he leaves room when he comes out to hedge that the guy splits the splits the two defenders and goes right to the rim and. And that's exactly what Trimble did at the end of the half. Got going downhill, didn't close off that lane, didn't force him to the side, and and that it's it's truly the same mistakes. And I think that's what frustrates a lot of fans. It's certainly what frustrates me the most is that it's the same story of you know coming on here and trying to talk about those things that that continue uh, to plague this team uh, time in and time out. And, and you know even against Illinois outside of that stretch at the beginning of the game, they gave up a ton of points and um yeah the officiating was was weird and there a lot of free throws and, uh, and strange things in that game but it, it just is is not a case where you see that progression versus last year you saw the progression to gradually get better and outside of a few short spurts you just don't see it here and when things get tight it's when it seems to really break down the most
0: yeah all right. Well, I do want to get to some of the positives from this game because they were there. And that, of course, is going to start with James Blackman, Jr., who was terrific in the second half. Uh, but first, before we do that, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, uh, because as we've been telling you about here on the Assembly Call IU Post Game show, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. We've all experienced that at the many sites that we've tried to buy tickets from. It's always hard to find the best deal for the game or show that you want to go to, and none of those other sites really seem to want to change that, but SeatGeek is different, which is why I use them. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. They do the price comparison by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. So they do the work and you save the time and money. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Remember, it's not just for sports tickets. It's for concerts. Whatever you need tickets to, SeatGeek is a great option. And so to get that $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. And after you do that, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY. And plus, that also really helps us out. It lets SeatGeek know that you're hearing these ads, responding to these ads. And so that's a great way to help out the assembly call as well. Uh, and it's a great way to help yourself out, most of all, because they will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's loss to the Maryland Terrapins tonight. And guys, you know, obviously we've spent some time now at the start of the show breaking down some of the negatives, but it, it certainly wasn't all negative. You know, the Hoosiers went on the road, uh, a team in their first true, true road environment, you know, a young team and, you know, did some good things. Uh, and, 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 you know, you really feel like they left one out there because of some of the good things they did, and that conversation begins with James Blackman Jr., who had nine points in the first half, scored 13 in the second half, uh, was 9 of 15 from the field. It was just really aggressive, uh, but in a smart and efficient way. It was 4 of 8 from downtown, and we talked before the game about how Yogi Ferrell really always took these matchups against Maryland, against Melo Trimble, kind of as a mano-a-mano a mono battle and wanted to be that alpha dog on the court. And I thought James Blackman Jr. played that role tonight. And frankly, Robert Johnson tried to do it too and played really well defensively. So those two junior guards, they led Indiana. And, and they cleared the pathway for Indiana to win this game if some more of their teammates could have stepped up. And we talked about some of the guys that Indiana normally counts on, like Thomas Bryant and OG, who didn't step up. But Robert and, and James did their part, and let's start with James Ryan, uh, who was good on offense and at times, you know, played halfway decent defense, at least for him. And I thought it, it was really nice to see because for Indiana to win these games on the road in the Big Ten, which they're going to have to, James Blackmon Jr. is going to have to play like he did tonight.
2: Yeah, I thought there were some times he actually. Guarded Melo Trimble pretty well. Unfortunately, on the big shot of the game, the Herder's three-pointer, James got stuck on a on a screen. Uh, you know, I think he was trying to do the right thing right there. He just kind of got caught up in which direction his his man was going, and Herder was able to, you know, to to drain a three, and that really put Indiana behind the eight ball late. Um, but offensively, as always, Blackman, you know, when he gets on fire, he's unstoppable. And I thought he was aggressive going to the hoop. I thought um, there were a couple times he. He drew fouls, and there were other times where he's just, you know, burying daggers left and right from three. So, uh, I think that if you're looking at his performance all in all, I thought it was a really good night for him. Um, he he clearly was stepping up to and taking over when the team needed a boost, and and that's something we haven't had this year, we haven't seen out of somebody in Indiana this year. And so I think that maybe he is trying to step up and become a leader and, and knows that, Hey, if this is going to be my last year in college basketball, you know, we're assuming that he, he wants to take it to the next level. You know, I don't want to go out on a team that's not winning games. And, And I think that it's, it's, you've seen from him at times during his career, sort of uh, hunting shots as we've talked about it and, and just looking for his offense and looking to get his. I didn't see that tonight. I saw a guy trying to lift his team um, and, 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 you know, what, in whatever way possible. So I, I, thought that he played a really, really good game. And that was my biggest encouragement coming out of it was, it wasn't a guy who was scoring 22 points because he was just firing threes. He was scoring 22 points because he was looking to score to help his team. And, and I think that, uh, there's a big difference there. While it may seem subtle to some, there's, there's a big difference there. And, and that's a positive moving forward. Again, one of the things you got to build on Indiana's a six game stretch coming up. They can go easily go six and zero in, and you, do that the season can turn around a little bit easily
1: <laughs> I, well, I think easily
2: ca- i mean look nobody they're facing is 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 exactly rolling right now um and and you turn it on and you focus and you do what you have to do you play like you did tonight they'll win those next games
0: well I yeah so. but, i mean yeah if they play like he didn't stretches but you're gonna have to hold a team to under 1.19 points per possession i guess we just haven't seen the consistency from this team i agree the wins are there for the taking we just need to see this team play with some consistency,
2: and and that's fair. I'm you know, and I'm not saying they're gonna go six zero. I'm saying that they, if they play with consistency, if they build on the positives from this game, because again, Maryland's a good team, almost beat them on the road. Yeah, there were lots of warts in this one, but it came down to the last minute, and Indiana had a, definitely had a chance to win it. One or two shots goes another way, you win the game. You're going home with a road win in the Big Ten. This is a
0: different conversation. Yeah, Andy, hop in on on James, and then of course we want to get your thoughts on Robert Johnson.
1: Well, I think one of the big turning points for me was Blackman came back in with those two fouls in the uh, in the second half, and he played the better part of the last eleven or so minutes, and IU outscored uh, Maryland by eight points when he was on the when he was on the floor during that stretch. Really got him back in it at, at a point when they had started to really get down, uh, and I thought he did a good job of playing with fouls and uh, and not not picking up his third. And, and being still being aggressive and a positive contributor. And on a night when most guys could not finish at the rim, he had a couple really nice uh, nice finishes going to the basket. So uh, I thought a good game from him. And as far as Robert Johnson, I thought you saw um, some of what you said were really trying to take over. I think we've seen these last couple games defensively. He has wanted, uh, or he has at the very least drawn the the assignment of, of taking the other team's best player. Did so with Malcolm Hill against Illinois and then Trimble tonight. Thought he did a good job in, uh, in most stretches against him. Uh, his shot was, you know, kind of hit and miss. Ended up taking a number of, you know, long twos late in the shot clock, and I think those were, uh, those are problematic. Got a good look at that last uh, that last shot and just didn't go down. Uh, the four turnovers I think were probably the biggest thing uh, with him, where there were just a couple that were, uh, were, were ca- of the careless variety, and uh, you know, in a in a game that's decided by one possession given away uh... given away four of them from him is uh... potential difference maker as you as you look at that way but i think uh... i, I think you if you want to look for things to like it's the fact that these guys really tried to put the team on their back as you said and um, start to exhibit some of that leadership that that everybody wants to see from those those two juniors. So in that regard, uh, a positive and an athlete James played uh, extremely well. Really, really kept you in the game, and quite frankly, was surprised that he wasn't the uh, the recipient of the pass or didn't even bring the ball to court on the last play. Um, was a little bit surprised by that. Although Newkirk did, when we we're going to talk about him in a couple minutes. I thought he had had a pretty good game uh, overall as well.
0: And I just want to say, you know, I loved the play that Robert made, the play that he got hurt, the way he competed defensively for about 75 feet where he chased Mellow Trimble back into the backcourt and was just all over him and played with that bulldog mentality. I remember when we talked with Max Bielfeld on podcast on the brink, he talked about how losing Robert last year was such a big deal because Indiana lost their bulldog. You know, and I think sometimes we see Robert play defense like that a lot of times, but he's also carrying more of an offensive load this year. And so I don't think we see it all the time but tonight we saw a lot more of it in a game when he really needed to step up and do that. And so I thought that was nice to see, you know, the junior guards did their part. Uh, there's no question. And let's talk about the other guards, because frankly, this is a game where most of the backcourt guys who played, played pretty well. You know, I think this is a game where, you know, if you're looking to assign uh, responsibility for the loss, I mean, it's a team loss, but I thought the front court guys, you know, showed up less than the backcourt guys, Josh Newkirk, I thought uh, had one of his better games, nine points. He was four of six from the field. So, you know, not, Taking a lot of shots as we've seen him do in games when he's played poorly, I thought he was really effective. Only turned it over once, uh, had three offensive rebounds, so a really nice game for him. And then I thought Curtis Jones had his best stretch of basketball in the first half. Uh, you know, he came out and 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 Andy, you and I both noticed in that Illinois game watching the team in person how much harder it looked that Curtis Jones was playing. And he seems like a freshman who maybe has gotten himself caught up to the speed of college basketball. And we're seeing a little more hustle, a little more grit from him. And he hustled and got an offensive rebound, hustled and got a steal. And look, the basketball gods rewarded him as he takes two threes, makes them both, had a nice assist. I actually was expecting a little bit more time from him in the second half. He only played a total of 10 minutes. Uh, And I know, you know, he struggled in the second half when, Indiana put him in the primary ball handler position, and he really struggled with it, and I don't know that that's necessarily putting him in a great position to succeed as a freshman on the road in the Big Ten, so I would have liked to see him be out there, but maybe not exposed quite as much as he was, because I thought he did some good things in the first half. Ryan, what were your thoughts on on some of Indiana's other guards, who I thought contributed nicely tonight?
2: I thought Josh Newkirk played his best game since North Carolina. I thought that was clear. I thought he was all over the court. I thought he was focused, and and I thought he looked comfortable for the first time in a while. Uh, not just offensively, but defensively. You know, he drew four fouls. Fa- I mean, he, he he got four fouls. He was guarding Trimble. He was guarding you know everybody on that. He got on that switched
0: game. on to Dodd one time. And yeah, and, and played and well. You know
2: what? He he was focused, and and I don't know if, what it was about this. Uh, maybe getting out of Assembly Hall made him comfortable. I don't know, but he. He he looked comfortable and looked like he belonged, and um, he made a couple of really nice play at one plays at one point. There was an air ball he caught and put back in on the offensive glass. Um, so I thought he had a very good game, and I was I um, I thought he deserved to be out there at the end too when they were trying to find a way to score. Um, as for Curtis Jones and Devontae Green. Both of them had really good stretches. Curtis Jones in, in the first half uh, hit those two threes and, and had a nice, uh, you know, had some nice passes there. Uh, I'm not sure if he actually got an assist on one of them or if it was just a, a, a pass that's not showing up on my stat sheet, but I know exactly what you're talking about, Jared. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he had a steal and, and played some good defense. But then in the second half, it was it was typical freshman stuff where you have a, you, you shield great in one half. And the second half, you know, there were three possessions in a row where he absolutely killed Indiana's offense. I mean, you know, he dribbled around way too much. I mean, there was one where he wasn't the primary ball handler either. He just got the ball and had no idea what to do with it and just kept dribbling and dribbled into nowhere. And then there was one where he was loose with the ball, looking down court, got it stolen, and and uh, Maryland went down for a layup. And then the next possession, he did the same. You know, he almost did the same thing. They didn't get a steal, but he was just loose with the ball, and he didn't play after that. And and I thought Crean was right to take him out. Calm him down. You're on the road. The crowd's yelling at you now because you just gave up that. You he had an air ball, so every time he got the ball, um, you know, they were they were chanting air ball, all that. Devontae Green, I thought, showed really well in in sections as well. When he's set and he has a three-point uh, he has a three pointer in his feeder set. It looks really good when he pulls up, it looks really bad. And we saw a few of those against Illinois. Um, but people keep asking who's Indiana's point guard, who's Indiana's point guard. And and I saw this uh, on Twitter tonight. Devontae Green's is going to be Indiana's point guard long-term. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't see how people don't see that. Um, Curtis Jones is more of a combo guard in the sort of James Blackman mold, uh, a scoring combo guard kind of guy, and and Green is going to be the point guard, so they're going to get him minutes where he's the primary ball handler because they have to, and uh, he looks good in stretches tonight, he's just got to continue to grow and be smarter.
0: And good points about about the freshman guards in the second half. And of course, as soon as I uh, laud the guard play, I see on Twitter from Andrew Hussey that Indiana's guards had three assists and nine turnovers. So <laughs> obviously still some challenges uh, for them. Andy, your thoughts on the guard play?
1: Uh, yeah, just a couple quick things. Uh, Newkirk was, uh, again, plus minus, not he was plus nine in the second half, though, in just seven in just seven minutes, I think. The minutes thing is interesting because he played, I think about 22 minutes tonight. I think that's fairly similar to what we saw uh, against Illinois. And I think that's, you know, if we're looking at the rotation, a potential positive thing, try to scale back, you know, what he's being asked to do and, uh, and did really well. I mean, he was, he was a big part of IU's comeback. They were, they had a a group that played together. Uh, It was actually the starters played together for about two and a half minutes, about two minutes and 40 seconds. Um, between about the five minute mark and the two minute mark, and they that group went on a five point, you know, five point run, uh, outscored Milan by five and, and took a five point or took a two point lead. Then he goes off the floor, and uh, they immediately give those five points right back. So, again, not not perfect for him. Yeah, Jones only played about two minutes in the second half based on the the lineup stuff that I was tracking, um, which. Uh, I was a little surprised by it because I thought he did, you know, have some good effort plays. And uh, as many people remarked on Twitter, apparently likes really likes to shoot in the uh, in the courage jersey. So um, throw him out there in that one every night, I guess from from here on out, and and let him go. Yeah,
0: might as well. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis because we got to hit those two guys because Indiana needs more uh, than what they got from those two guys, if they're going to win. Real quick, I do want to take just a minute and tell you why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership. Three quick reasons. It's quick and easy. So go to assemblycall.com join. It'll take you 15 seconds. Number two, it's how you get our best content because by joining, you receive our weekly six banner Saturday IU Hoops news roundups, as well as our detailed post game analysis emails. Which, yes, even a game like tonight, uh, where the post game show is going to end probably after midnight, we will still be getting that post game analysis email out to you. And plus, it's how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community because only members can access our moderated post game live chats and our discussion forums. So if you like what you hear, here on the Assembly Call, becoming a member is the next logical step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's 75-72 to loss to the Maryland Terrapins tonight. And look, this is a game where Indiana's junior guards come out and score 35 points, uh, do enough to help pull Indiana across the finish line ahead of Maryland. But they needed more help from the front court. And, you know, tonight you look at Indiana's two headed monster down low of Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis, two highly recruited guys, two guys who have flashed their potential, who we know have it in them. They combined to go two for 10, scored six points. Uh, They did grab nine rebounds between them and had four blocks. Uh, But just. Look, Indiana needed more from those two guys tonight, and they didn't get it, and I think it's going to be really hard for Indiana to get wins, especially on the road, getting that kind of production from Thomas
1: and from Duran. Andy, what would you think of the play
0: of Thomas and Duran tonight?
1: Uh, I really thought you saw both guys get kind of taken advantage of by a more veteran big guy, I guess you'd say, with that. I mean, to me, this was, for Bryant, was a little bit shades of the North Carolina game where just an older player kind of uh, you know pushed him around, rooted him out. Uh, really made it hard for him to get the ball in positions where he could score. And again, then it, when he was out further on the floor, we saw some of the same uh, challenges that we've seen over the course of the season in terms of just taking a long time to try to figure out what to do and and not really being able to uh, create you know opportunities close to the rim. And and uh, you know got, had a couple of shots blocked as did a lot of guys going to the basket. And um, so I, I thought I thought he really really got pushed out and made uncomfortable. And uh, on the offensive end, I think Duran, Same thing. I think you'll, you're something that while he's played beyond his years, uh, in a lot of cases, I think tonight was uh, was more of a struggle from him. Again, kind of same thing. Really got got pushed out on the floor uh, more than he had been, and, and just a, a a big guy, uh, you know, veteran veteran big who who made it hard for those guys to score and uh, block a lot of the shots at the beginning. I think guys started you know, being, uh, being hesitant to go in there at a certain point when after all the shots that Dodd blocked Jackson had a couple, I think, and um, you know, really made it, really made it tough for them. And I think, you know, like I said, at the beginning, I thought Bryant would come out of that Illinois game with a lot of confidence where he'd been kind of up and down. um, But it didn't really manifest itself uh, tonight, tonight very well. And it just didn't seem again, like if things weren't working in the post there wasn't really a pick and roll game. There wasn't really a, a plan B in order to put him in additional positions to succeed. And, uh, and, and things just kind of snowballed from there for him.
0: Ryan, your thoughts on those guests?
2: Yeah. You know, I thought Deron Ron Davis, uh, he got pushed around by a grown man a little bit when he was in there with Dodd and, and and Gil as well. Um, I thought, he you know it wasn't for lack of effort he was trying to get position and and the few times they did throw in there they threw flashed a double team at him he had two really nice assists uh but just over two on the game he had one where he got his hook his hook shot to go up, but he just missed it. Um, but other than that, he just didn't really seem to be on tonight. And, and, uh, I don't think it was a lack of focus. I think it was just maybe, uh, as Andy said, sort of a lack of a plan, uh, for the entire team. I will say that the the Hoosiers, tr- you could see it. They really tried to get the ball into the post tonight. That was, you could tell that was the plan uh, It was to go inside and they kept Bryant and Davis got fed the ball a lot. They just, Either didn't finish or kicked it out a lot, um, which you know in, in in some of the cases that was the right move as as you know they combined for four assists. Of the four of Indiana's nine assists on the night, um, so I think that the effort was there to try and get the ball into the post. For Bryant, uh, he really, as I said earlier, just needs to get stronger. Not necessarily with the ball. Uh, he had two turnovers, but. He needs to get stronger with his post moves. I think that, you know, as I said, his only his only move right now seems to be flash and then drive baseline and try and hook around the back of the rim. Uh, that's not an effective move. I mean, you can do that once or twice, but as soon as you get there, you know, a guy like smart a, a smart defender like Dodds gonna prevent you from getting where you want to go. So I, I just think that that he needs to he and OG both just need to realize what they're capable of because clearly they don't know right now how good they can be and you know how easy the ba- basketball is if you make it easy for yourself and right now both guys are making basketball to a very hard game when it's a lot easier than that when you have those guys gifts and you do you play the way you're supposed to play and and, and attack the way that those guys
0: can attack it,
2: it's really not a difficult game and they make it a lot harder than it should be
0: by the way, I do want to mention uh, Juwan Morgan real quick, who had six points, five boards, a couple of assists, a couple of nice blocks, a steal. So he was out there doing Juwan Morgan things, did get owned a couple times defensively, so he wasn't great. But, you know, and and it'd be nice to see him find a way to get more than two shots because he is a good shooter. But he he seems to struggle a little bit to fi- to get in the flow offensively and find shots that are good for him. And the offense does never seem to present those opportunities for him, and so he ends up kind of having to almost, you know, just drive the lane more and kind of throw up some of those, you know, wild, uh, you know, running shots uh, or just get offensive rebounds. And I think if he can focus more on getting some of those offensive rebounds and getting some of those putbacks, he can get his offense more. Um, but you know, for Jawan, just kind of a normal game for him. I, I want to talk about OG a little bit more. Um, you know, I want to get your guys' thoughts on him, and and I'll tell you the thing that I've noticed about OG, and I want to see if you guys notice this too. Do you remember last year, early in the season, when OG and Juwan would come in and we would comment on the show often about how when they come in, they play with such great fundamentals. They're low, you know, in, in defensive stances off the ball so quick. And remember last year how often OG would get out in passing lanes, and you know, uh, you know, it seemed like we had an OG steal and dunk almost every game. And so I had a hunch that his steal rate was probably a lot, uh, a lot lower this year. And just looked at it last year, OG's steal rate was three point four percent. And this year it's down to 2.2%. And, and, you know, I watched him play defense, especially in the first half. And, you know, he's standing up off the ball. You know, he'll get into a stance more when he's right up on the ball. But we didn't see the same just intensity and fundamentals that we saw from him last year. And I know we saw it because we talked about it multiple times and then you come out in the second half and what does he do on the in, on the first two possessions for Maryland he's out there in passing lanes I don't know if he got a steal on either of those plays but he got a couple deflections was out there disrupting things you know and so I know people have talked about is he still injured you know hasn't been the same since the ankle maybe although some of the athletic plays that we're seeing from him suggest he's pretty healthy because if he's not healthy and he's making those plays that's pretty crazy but you know I just it, it Just seems to me like he kind of floats through some games sometimes, you know, doesn't have that attention to detail that he had last year. And, you know, if you're not in a stance, if you're not low, if your head's not on a swivel, it's hard to make those anticipation plays like he made last year. And we're not seeing as many of those. And it just felt like that got him going, got his offense going so much last year. And he's not getting some of those easy plays that are helping, not easy plays, but simple plays, as you mentioned, Ryan, that are helping him get in the game. You know, and I just wonder if getting back to the basics for him uh, and obviously just bringing a consistent mentality to the game are part of it. Uh, I mean, Andy, do you, am I you know grasping at straws here or do you notice some of that with him?
1: No, I definitely see it. I mean, he he tried to guard Tremble a few times uh, in both halves, I think. And yeah, to your point, was really tried to get down in the stands there. I don't know that he was particularly successful uh, in trying to guard him. But uh, you know, you see it in stretches. We saw it against Illinois in stretches, but it just seems extremely inconsistent. And I think it's one of those things where you you watch and you think about a guy who you know whose role grew a lot over last year and was another pretty big leap now. Uh, to be able to play consistently, and I think we just haven't seen it. I mean, the same thing as you you mentioned before with the you know the, the moves, you know, trying to go to the basket. I thought Dockage made a good point that he's so much better when he gets to the middle of the floor as to get himself on the baseline. He had and whatever turnovers he had tonight were all going um, trying to go too fast on the baseline and just getting kind of routed out of bounds. And uh, so I, yeah, I, I see I see some of that, and and I don't know, but I don't know what it is. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it was every game there was a, a deflection that was there and he did in, in a steal and he, you know, he had the one play to, where they kind of had the weird, you know, Blackman tried to lob it to him, missed the, missed the dunk on that, that I think was a result of, of him getting in a passing lane. So uh, yeah, I mean, you see it in flashes, but uh, it, it has to be more consistent uh, for him. If this team's going to succeed, there's just not enough other options uh, at, at this point. If he's not playing well or if both he and Brian aren't playing well, I mean, again, plus minus, not great to look at in half. He was minus 10 in the second half by far, um, the lowest of anybody uh, that was out there, so um, th- there's at least a little, a, a little something there when you when you really look at some of those numbers. And um, yeah, he has got to find a way to be a consistent contributor because we still see the same things that we saw at times last year. Um, we're just not seeing it very much, and and it's it's really become a struggle again when we get into the how do you know what you're going to expect from everybody, uh, and and, you, and you've got some of your key players that you really just don't know possession to possession what you're going to get.
0: Brian, you look sad over there. Stop reading leaked Donald Trump reports. <laughs> Actually those kind of made me happy today. That was funny.
2: Right. Give me a good laugh. Uh, no, I just, you know, I'm I'm kind of looking ahead here on on you know, at this team. And I mean Eleven and six looks real ugly, man. I'm not so worried about the one and three in conference. I, r- I really am not. I mean, everybody's lost a game in, in the Big Ten already. There doesn't seem to be one dominant team. Uh, you well, know, okay,
0: but, but let me ask you a question. Have you already reset expectations that this team's not going to compete for the Big Ten? I mean, no, be no, no.
2: No, what I'm saying is that one and three, and everybody's got a loss. So at worst, you're two games out, and then you got a, a really positive stretch here where you can do some damage. Um, you know, I, I'm really. I'm not upset I'm just kind of pondering like what is the future for this team and and truly I think that they have to build off this they really do because there are enough positives here where you can feel like okay we lost at Maryland it's it's a tough place to play it's a good team that probably belongs in the top 25 but at the same time you know like I said two or three things go differently and we're, this is a much different conversation. We're talking about a great road win that may help turn the season around and, you know, two or three shots go one way or the other. And, and, you know, James Blackman's layup doesn't roll off and they're up five at that point. And, you know, I mean, that, that was just bad. I mean, that was just bad luck. You know, he got a, you got a great move, got to the basket, put the ball in and it just rolled off. It went around the rim and rolled off I and mean, it's bad luck. and, And there were some other things in there that, you know, one inch one way or the other, and this is a different game. So this team can't get down. It has to build on the positives. Obviously, watch the film, point out the negatives, and we've discussed the negatives here. But this team has a chance to do something right now, and it's looking at a very favorable schedule in the face for the next couple weeks before things get real tough towards the end of the season. So this team has to turn this around now and, and has to go on a run and has to put itself back in contention or, uh, or, or, you know, this could be a lost season. And, and I don't think anybody to be any of the year was, was expecting that uh, this team is too talented for that to happen. So I guess I'm just trying to think about, you know, what's next. And, and quite frankly, I think a solid run is not unexpected given the momentum of the pasting they handed to Illinois and then playing well on the road. I mean, Most years, I mean, I know Maryland isn't a top 25 team right now, but most years you look at Maryland, a a road loss to Maryland, 75-72, where it was a really good basketball game, and you're saying, all right, you know, that that happens. Uh, This year they're not ranked. Right now they probably will be this week or this next week. But right now, you know, it looks like a, a worse loss than it really is. And I think that the key for this team is not to get too caught up in that in the aftermath.
0: Yeah. No, it's a good point. And, and look, hopefully, Indiana can build off some of the positives here, start to rebuild some confidence. You know, James Blackman Jr. obviously needs to continue to play like this. So I think I, I like the positivity, Ryan. <laughs> you know, you're, uh, you're, you're kind of carrying the torch that I usually carry on here, and I appreciate it. Again, I, I think for me, and I think even for Andy too, it's, it's the repetition of the same mistakes that frustrate you. And it's. No, I'm there. It, you I'm know, there and, with and, you. Yeah, and it's, I think, you know, the difference between this year, you know, and, and maybe different from past seasons is we have a much longer now. You know, look at Tom Crean teams and the profiles of the ones that do well and that play well at the end of the seasons, and the profiles of the ones that fade at the end of the season. And this one really fits the type of profile. Young team, you know, roles not defined, don't seem to have a lot of on court chemistry. Not that they don't like each other, but just basketball chemistry. Those seem to be the types of Tom Crean teams that have faded in February and March. And that's that's where it gets hard to have the hope for the turnaround. But This is much more talented, a much more talented team than those others. And so the hope is that that talent eventually rises because the on-court chemistry comes. And maybe, you know, the offensive and defensive game plans get simplified some and and guys have a better idea of what they're supposed to be doing. And maybe you just get a couple wins and the ball starts bouncing your way and you feel better about yourself. You know, if all those things can happen. Then Indiana can get going. One more note I wanted to make, real quick. I thought it was interesting. You know, we've seen Indiana at times this year struggle at the end of the first half and the in the beginning of the second half. Today, Indiana did a nice job. Uh, you know, a twelve nine run at the end of the first half. Uh, that very last play of the first half, notwithstanding, and then a solid 14 to nine start in the second half to really build some momentum, um, and, and seize momentum away from Maryland after it looked like Maryland might run away with this thing in the first half. Indiana did a nice job. Unfortunately, Indiana didn't start great an 11, seven run by Maryland to start it. And then a nine, four run to end it. So, you know, those, those sequences right there, you know, for Indiana, again, if they can start a little bit better and finish a little bit better, you know, they're right there in that, um. Andy, anything else that you want to hit here before we uh, take a quick look ahead at Rutgers? A very quick look ahead at Rutgers, and then go to last call.
1: Uh, no, only one thing. Just kind of looking at the lineups, and we'll, we'll put this in the email. So we've talked many times about the what what many, including we, have gone on record as saying the best lineup for this team would be uh, the Ananobi, Blackman Bryant Johnson Morgan group. Uh, that group was uh, got outscored by eight points during two different stretches in the late in the game. They played uh, a, a decent amount over the last seven minutes and got outscored by eight points. Uh, after it, they they came in when it was a tie game, uh, fell behind by three. Another group came in, made, scored five points, and, or uh, outscored Maryland by five. And then that that group came back in, got outscored by five. So perhaps um, Tom Green knows what he's doing and not playing that group more because uh, they certainly did not show uh, to be to be the uh, best lineup tonight on the court.
2: Wait, Andy. Are you telling me that we may not know what the heck we're talking about?
1: Uh, it's possible. It's possible. I'm, Jury's still
2: out. I I don't know if I could handle that being the truth.
0: Never tell you guys about the time that I saved Zach McRobert's uh, reservation at the Village Deli.
1: No, but you probably should, you should probably save that for the radio. I was there. Then he didn't even get to. Then he didn't even get to play tonight. After all, yeah, that. I know.
0: It's kind of surprised.
1: Yeah.
0: It's kind of a surprise. All right, well, let's get a few quick thoughts on Rutgers and then uh, and move on to our last call. We will do that here in just a second. Um, before we do, just one more quick reminder that a great way to support the Assembly Call is by ordering your official Assembly Call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. To do that, go to HoosierProud.com while you're there. Check out their selection of unique stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. And don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off. That works for our Assembly Call logo t-shirts and anything else you buy, again, the URL is hoosierproud.com. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's 75-72 loss to Maryland on the road tonight. It drops Indiana to 1-3 and in conference. Uh, and certainly, if a game was ever a must-win, Uh, A home game against Rutgers (laughs) is certainly a must win. And look, you have to hope that this is a game Indiana's going to win. I think we can feel safe expecting that. But certainly, Indiana's performance against non-substandard competition this year has not been good. So let's not take anything for granted. Andy, what awaits us? I mean, this Rutgers team is clearly better now than that team last year. But this is still a game that we should expect Indiana to win comfortably, right?
1: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think yeah, I really like their coach, uh, who they got from Stony Brook. I think he's going to be uh, Steve Pike-Kiel. uh I think he's going to what what he turns them into. I don't know, but I think it's a, a good hire and somebody to get them moving in the right direction. But yeah, they're 0-4 in the Big Ten. They played three of those four games away from home, which hasn't uh, which hasn't helped either. But uh, they're only projected to win one Big Ten game on Ken Palm the rest of the way, and that's a, a home game against Nebraska. Uh, in a couple of weeks and we all know how home games against nebraska can go so we'll see uh what happens there but they've got uh, northwestern on thursday iu uh on sunday and offensively you know I, this will not be a well in some ways a test for IU's defense uh but you know they're 229th in offensive efficiency at this point so they don't shoot the ball well from three or from two uh have been good at uh, offensive rebounding and that's about it on the offensive end so uh, if IU can't get it together and really uh, you know, put together a solid defensive performance against this team, uh, I think it will be hard to find uh, people who are optimistic that they're going to get it figured out against other teams uh, as we move forward.
0: By the way, I'd just like to state that in our chat, uh, N.E. Zimmer, uh, his, his prediction is that IU pulls it together late in the year after driving us all nuts for months and finally wins a Big Ten tourney and heads into the big show hot as heck. That was my prediction at the start of the year. Uh, <laughs> I thought Indiana would struggle a little bit in Big Ten play and then win that Big Ten tourney, so we'll see. Uh, it's 11 o'clock Central Time, midnight Eastern Time after an IU loss, so things are getting a little crazy and irrational here on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Uh, but that said, oh, gentlemen, think it, they
2: can only see our chat right
0: now. <laughs> that's why we don't publish that. <laughs> that's why that's kept private. Um, All right, gentlemen, let's go to our Yogi's last call. That's right. The last call is now sponsored by Yogi's uh, or brought to you by Yogi's. Really, it's not necessarily a sponsorship yet, but brought to you by Yogi's. Uh, And it didn't start for this game, but probably for this weekend's games, or starting this weekend. And then for, for the games after that, uh, the assembly call IU post game show will be broadcast live at Yogi's as it happens. So we're very excited about that. We did our meetup this past week at Yogi's. Obviously that was the bar that I went to more than any other. While I was a student there, uh, we've had our last two meetups there. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we're big fans of, uh, their staff there. They've always treated us great and, uh, excited about the opportunity that they, so, uh, yeah, they presented us.
2: After the game, you leave assembly, uh, assembly hall, go to Yogi's and listen to the post game show. That's it. Exactly. A-
0: yeah, it's that simple. And then meet us there for the meetup next year. Uh, all right. So let's go to our last call, brought to us by Yogis. Uh, Andy, I know you're uh, ready to go to bed. Actually, I'm sure you're ready to just field like six thousand tweets from people asking you if IU is still in the field of sixty four. Sixty eight. Only, only gotten
1: a couple so far, so they're uh, they're trickling in. But uh, now I, uh, yeah, I I feel not great, and the game did not do uh, too much to to make me feel any better. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, again, biggest frustration is that it just feels like the same mistakes, and and they get closer. And yeah, there's a certain element of luck to it. I know. I, I think you mentioned this tweeting some of this out, where you know Pomeroy does some of the luck rankings in Maryland uh, is is toward the top. They've won almost every close game that they've had, short of that Nebraska game. They've they've had a lot of one point victories that they could could easily have lost. And uh, yeah, you just it, it felt a little bit like the last time IU was there. Uh, you know, Yogi had a three late to that could have. You know, could have really turned the game. I forget whether that would have won it or sent it to overtime. Had another really good look tonight, and and didn't go down. And so, while there are certainly some positives to take from it, I, I think that frustration uh, from a fan perspective is going to continue to build until we see a more consistent uh, way that this team is able to address the flaws that have really uh, been been the biggest factors in in things going going south after after such a hot start. And uh, and I think you know probably speak for a lot of people when that's really the biggest frustration about it and it's 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 not hard to get upset about it I guess but uh it's it's hard to see them shaking their way out of it at this point so I appreciate Ryan's optimism as well but uh you know you kind of see the same things and they're going to come out and, and play against Rutgers and I don't know that game shows us a whole lot uh as is, has has been the case with a number of uh, home games over the course of the season but it's certainly one they have to have and uh, you know take another stab at trying to to build up some momentum as we, we hope they had done on Saturday and gave a little bit back tonight and, and hopefully get started on that again uh, on Sunday. And that's really, really all they can do take, take that game. They, they really have to run the table at home uh, from here on out, I think, and then find a way to, to steal a couple of these on the road. And if uh, you know, they can clean up a few of the mistakes. I think there's a chance to do that. If, if Johnson and, and Blackman continue to, to lead the way that they did tonight. I think that's a positive, but they've uh, they've got to get more out of OG and Thomas on a regular basis if they're really going to be able to, uh, to to bring themselves out of this consistently.
0: No question. Hey, by the way, Andy, kudos on this week's episode of Bracketology.fm. Uh, folks, really want to recommend Andy's new podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, Bracketology.fm. Uh, and this week's guest was the godfather of Bracketology himself, Joe Lunardi. And obviously that's a, you know, a big get for you in the first year doing a podcast about bracketology. And I thought the candor and just some of the stories that Joe told, especially about how he got started, what things are like at ESPN, it was a really, really interesting conversation. Um, And I highly recommend that it really for any college basketball fan. It's a great, a great look into, you know, a guy who's become an important kind of fixture of our lives come March. Uh, So great, great job on that conversation.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate. It. Yeah, that was what I was struck by as well. Just kind of his uh, his candor as we went through and, and kind of asked different questions and the direction that he uh, that he took a couple of the questions that I asked. I thought was uh, really interesting and, and gave some good insight. So could have could have gone uh, quite a bit longer. We did talk about IU a little bit, both from the the past and from uh, and from this year. So there's still a, an IU component to it as well. Uh, just because I think they're going to be an interesting case and probably a, a hotly debated team, uh, depending on how things go from here on out. Does
2: that mean you two aren't fighting anymore?
1: I don't know that I, we. I don't know that we were ever fighting.
2: You know, no, you no bad. It's okay. No, no, no bad blood. You yeah. know, that can be aired out publicly. <laughs> Andy can't stand Lenardi. What?
1: Oh <laughs> my god! Lies, all lies.
2: <laughs> Look, it's been a rough show. I'm just trying to spice it up a little bit. Okay. All
1: right. Yes. You know, you know who people don't like uh, is Jared. We have not shared with anyone the uh, the the Facebook group that people can join. I to- <laughs>
0: will come I, up on the leadership. I forgot, on- I forgot about the Facebook group.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well so you
0: know
2: all right we, we had a fun oh. saturday night folks you we did
0: we did so we will i promise we will tell you about the facebook group uh at, at some later time but let's go over now to our uh no talent west coast ass clown for his uh his last call <laughs> oh that story's <laughs> fun Uh, anyway,
2: uh, I think what people need to realize, first of all, uh, kudos to Maryland. I mean, Maryland and Indiana played some fantastic basketball games since Maryland got into the conference. I mean, it seems like every time the two teams play, it's an entertaining game. It may not be a close game. It may not be, you know, down to the wire like this one was, but they've, they've all been pretty entertaining games. So, uh, you know, I think Maryland, while I think that I have issues with some of the teams that have that have, that have moved conferences. I think Maryland has actually been a really good addition to the big 10. Um, what Rutgers, I will say, no, which, yeah, no, I'm going to pass on Rutgers. Uh, let me give that a hard, hard pass on, on endorsing Rutgers as a member of the big 10. Um, you know, I, I, again, I think it's, it's the kind of thing where in a vacuum losing by three at Maryland in this game, you don't get too worried about it. Um, just like losing to Louisville in a vacuum, you don't get too mad about it. Losing to a good Wisconsin team, you don't get mad about. When you pack them all in close together, and you know the way the team played and and the mistakes, the easily correctable mistakes that that in the end probably cost them the game that's when you start to worry. And, and so you guys absolutely are correct that we're seeing some of the same things and that's a concern and, and all that. What I would say is that we all know this team has the potential to get it together. And, and, and when they do get it together, they're really tough to beat. Uh, the problem is at some point they've got to do it consistently and they just have not done it consistently this year. Um, but I just, for some reason, I have a faith in this team. I don't know where it comes from. It's completely irrational, and I I understand that. But for some reason, I feel like these guys are going to wake up at some point and, and just finally do what they're supposed to do and finally play like a group and play like they belong together. Um, I I think that Thomas Bryant needs to have a 20.10 rebound game and then boom, he'll get it and the light will go on and he'll play. I think OG Ananobi needs to get a near triple double game and, you know, he'll finally get it together. And I just feel like these guys are way too good to play like this for the rest of the year. And maybe that's just me being naive and trusting them too much, but I feel like this team has something has something left in the tank, and and it just needs to find that extra gear. And when it does, it could take off. Um, it's just a matter of finding it before it's too late.
0: Now they definitely have something in there. You know, it's whether that can be found and 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 be brought to the forefront. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking back right now, back on I think it was December fourth after Indiana beat South Southeast Missouri State, or it was after the SIU Edwardsville game, and I, I made note in our post game email of, of The drastic contrast between last year and this year at that point, obviously last year, Indiana was coming off the Maui debacle, the Duke debacle, and and just everything looked awful for the program last year. And this year, around that same time, Indiana's got two wins over Kansas and North Carolina. Yeah, you had the one little toe stub loss to Fort Wayne, but you're feeling good. And ever since I sent that email, ever since I had that thought, Indiana has lost five games and they've only won one game over a top 100 team, and that's over Illinois. And, you know, it just shows you how quickly things can turn and how quickly last year turned because on this date last year, Indiana was in the midst of their 12 game winning streak that got this season turned around. And so, you know, that's the other thing is you never know. I, I don't think anybody would have predicted a 12 game winning streak, you know, after that Duke loss last year, just like certainly no one's predicting that now for this team. But You know, sometimes things click and maybe again, like I said before, you know, you simplify something. You know, we saw tonight what Indiana needs from James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson. And if they can bottle that and if that becomes a consistent part of what this team brings to the table, then I do feel a lot better about this team's chances. And so that's the biggest positive to take away from this game. And if those guys can lead OG and Thomas and, and, you know, you can get some of the freshmen like Curtis and and Duran to step up consistently, and Indiana can make that run that we know is in them, um, but I, I think it's perfectly fair for any IU fans who are in a bit of a show me mode right now, you know, to to be waiting for some sign of consistency from this team before we'll trust it. Because, uh, you know, Ryan, you made a great point. In a vacuum, all of those losses can be explained away, but one after another, and the inconsistency within them, uh, it just makes this a hard team to trust and. There's a lot to like about this team, a lot of talent, a lot of ability, a lot of good guys that you're excited to root for and proud to root for, but there's a big difference between all of that and confidence, and you guys know how confident I usually am, and I wasn't very confident heading into tonight, and you know, Indiana, I thought, in some ways played better than I thought, but in other ways, defensively really struggled. They're now 100th in Ken Palm, so into the triple digits. And before the season, we were talking about this team as a team that maybe the defense would be better than the offense. And maybe this is Tom Crean's first top 25 defense since the 2013 season, if they were even in the top 25 that year. But certainly, you know, a top 50 defense. And they need to get back to being that team. Whether the the final number ever gets to that, they've got to get back to that team to be consistent because defense is what helps you be consistent. We'll see if they have it. It all starts on Sunday against Rutgers. Let's just take one step at a time get that victory no one's going to take it for granted let's get that victory let's earn that victory and put one foot in front of the other and hopefully this team can start to build some momentum because that's what they need to do to get this thing back on track uh and have a good finish to the season all right everybody thank you for joining us on this episode of the assembly call iu post game show we always appreciate it for andy bottoms and ryan phillips i'm jared morris keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim go hoosiers i will talk to you sunday after i